Hello and welcome to The Rebind, a podcast about putting all the pages of the Bible back together. On today's first of the month interview, we'll talk with Dr. Lynn Hardaway about the opportunities and challenges facing churches both during and after the COVID-19 pandemic. Whether you're a leader in the church or a member taking some sick leave due to the virus, you're not going to want to miss his insights and experiences for today. pastored three congregations over the span of 30 years in the eastern part of Virginia. His doctoral work at Liberty University was in church health and evangelism, and he currently serves as the director of the Bridge Network of Churches, where he supports, encourages, and helps to guide pastors and congregations in their mission. Not to mention, he also serves bivocationally as the pastor of Blackwater Baptist Church in Virginia Beach. Dr. Hardaway has been a big support to me as well as I started pastoring on the Eastern Shore earlier this year in the middle of the pandemic, and I'm very excited to have him on here with us to share some of those same insights with you. Well, Dr. Hardaway, thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. Awesome. So considering the unique role that you have helping churches, why don't we just start out telling listeners what inspired you to want to serve in that capacity? What brought you to where you are now helping pastors and congregations? I was uh, reached uh, by a local church when I was in my teen years. They did an outreach program that brought us in. And um, so my introduction to the local church was uh, one of uh, a church that cared about people, wanted to bring people to Christ. And so my love for the local church began there. I, in my mm-hmm. first seminary years, uh, it was an independent Baptist college, and they drilled into us, into our DNA, that uh, it is the local church that Christ died for, and that's what we give our lives for. And that's kind of stuck with me through the years. Yeah. And this church, uh, the, this job happened, uh, I had pastored three churches, and the, the third church that I pastored, we saw some pretty phenomenal growth. And uh, the director of missions here talked with me and invited me to come on staff as kind of his associate and to help other churches learn to do what we've been doing. And so that's how I came to this spot. He left a couple of years later and they asked me to, to take the lead position. Gotcha. So what sort of things do you typically do on a week by week basis, helping pastors and churches? Well, Norm, before COVID, our job yeah. was, to, um, was to to coach. We we really did uh, uh, two or three things. We we connected people uh, if they needed resources, if they needed to know someone that could do a certain function. That was part of our job. We uh, uh, cultivated pastors and leaders. Uh, helping them grow in, in their knowledge of how to be better leaders. And then we coached pastors and churches in how to uh, adjust their ministries to be more effective. Gotcha. Now, during COVID, main task for my position is to sit across the table from pastors or be on the phone with pastors and just remind them that this is only temporary 
Some of them uh, have wanted to quit my jobs to talk them into sticking with it. Let's get through it, see how things turn out. So just to be a Barnabas to them, an encourager. Yeah, definitely. So it sounds like uh, you were really um, putting a lot of weight, a lot of stock into the local church. And I'm sure there are a couple listeners here who are thinking, man, the local church, like that's where <laughs> I felt the most pain, the most hurt. I don't mind kind of taking a break from all that right now. Um, what would you say to people like that who are listening? Why not just kind of ditch the church and start your own ministry or do your own thing? Well, I would say in some churches, it's probably best not to go there. They're toxic environments. Um, mm-hmm. they've, they've, they've broken off their connection to the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, many people are uh, just living uh, carnal lives without any respect to submission to the authority and spirit of Christ. I certainly wouldn't put my family in a church like that. Yeah. Uh, but most churches, in my experience, uh, are are healthy places. They're places where you can go and people will love you. They'll put their arms around you. Um, they have enough mature Christians in them to help you stay balanced in your faith. So one or two bad experiences, uh, I understand why you'd want to reject the whole thing, but from my perspective, that's a mistake. Find one that's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Especially coming from someone who interacts with churches all the time. I think that puts a lot of weight behind that. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, um, from a leadership perspective, then just thinking about this podcast and the things we talk about in terms of, you know, taking in all of the Bible, you know, not just the bumper sticker parts and, and kind of internalizing that and using that in our Great Commission, using that in what we do as churches. Um, in, in what you've seen and what you've done, how do you think churches can help people understand and utilize more of the Bible? Well, um, you know, the Bible, you have to see the Bible as God's great and this is going to sound philosophical. It is a little bit, but I'll but I'll dig into it a little bit. Sure. You have to see the Bible as God's great work of art. Uh, it's not a textbook. It's it's a work of art, and um, yes. and and so great works of art. If you go into an art museum and and look at a painting by Monet or Bouguereau or one of the great painters. Um, there, there's two approaches that you have to take to a great work of art. Uh, one is there's a scientific approach to painting. And uh, by that, you, you might study the kind of canvas that the artist used. You can measure the lines they drew. You can decide which mixture of colors they used, what kind of brush they used, where they were when they painted it. There's a lot of scientific t- science to a painting but an artist never gets into art for the science they get into art to to paint the paintings and so uh, there is the scientific side of it and then there's the appreciative side of it where you just sit back and and you let the painting affect you and so i think the bible is um, very much like that this great work of art that god painted covering 1,600 years, 66 books, all of that, 
40 different authors, different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And um, we have to go in scientifically to understand parts of it. We have to do all of the, we have to use the tools and the rules of interpretation to, to understand a passage. But if that's all we do, we miss the purpose of the Bible. We have to, we have to step back and appreciate once we know the science, we have to step back and appreciate the, the whole painting of a passage or the, the entire scripture or a theme or a topic in theology. So I, I think that pastors and churches need to be careful not to be too balanced on the science side and not to be too heavy on the artistic side. If all you do is go in and sit and look at a painting uh, you're not going to appreciate the kind of detail work that the painter put into it. And, and so many Christians with the Bible, uh, they, you know, they read, they just read through it, which is nothing wrong with that, but they don't pause mm-hmm. to let it affect them. And uh, so I think that as, as churches to help people and as preachers, we need to do both. We have to keep balance between the science and the art. And uh, if we can yeah. do that, then, then we've accomplished the reason God put the scriptures together. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You know, when it comes to coming apart, coming to parts in that Bible that may be difficult, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we get caught up in the science end of that and, and can't get to appreciate the art, or maybe we just want to appreciate the art, but have a hard time doing it because we don't know about the canvas and the the painting style and all that. So I think that's a, that's a really helpful. Yeah. Difficult passages or difficult topics. uh, One of the topics that people get hung up on is, for example, is the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. Hmm. And you know that because you, you've been to seminary. So um, Hmm. uh, they, there are passages in the Bible that scientifically you study the text. They absolutely say God is sovereign, and that's true. And then there's other passages that that say that man has the freedom to choose, and, and that's also true. And so sometimes in the gathering of the science, uh, people want to make a decision either way, and then they, they kind of uh, uh, overload on... Uh, well, this is this is a stroke of blue, or this is a, a stroke of yellow, and they mm-hmm. they choose sides, but that's never the intent of God in Scripture. The intent of God in Scripture is to step back and be awed that our God is such a genius that He took mm-hmm. both of those truths and put them on the same canvas and created yeah. a painting that even to this day, after thousands of years and brilliant minds looking at it. Nobody can fully understand all that he's done there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's great. Well, you've, uh, you've already talked a little bit about how even your role has, has shaped and changed with, um, the pandemic that we've been facing this year and how, you know, the, this, the kinds of support and resources that, that pastors and churches have needed have also, dramatically changed. So um, I would love to kind of glean from the things that, that you've been working with and the things that you've been seeing. What, what do you think are the biggest challenges that churches right now are facing in the COVID-19 crisis? Well, um, I, I would call the first one desocialization. 
um, mm. the, the masks and the isolation have in all of our lives cut us off from uh, the very purpose of God putting us on the planet, which was to have fellowship with one another. So I, I think that's a huge issue. I think it's affecting our churches uh, in ways that we'll be recovering from for years to come. Uh, and so that's a huge one. Another one is um, because the pandemic isn't an issue that's that's uh, disconnected from all the other things going on in the culture around us. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's been woven into the politics of the day. And, and so I've seen people leave churches that are asking people to wear masks because they, uh, they don't believe that masks are effective and they leave that church and go to a church that's not requiring masks. And it's almost like one side of the political debate is gathering in some churches while the other side of the political debate is gathering in other churches. And I would Mm -hmm. say to people, this is not the will of God. This is letting American politics and ideologies divide and weaken the church. So that's a huge issue that we're facing right now. Yeah. Well, maybe to put kind of a different angle on it too, um, have there been any positive things that you've seen come out of what churches have had to go through as they faced these unique challenges? Yeah, I I think um, one of the big pluses that I've found, especially with pastors of smaller churches, is when they've gone online, they've acquired audiences that they never uh, would have in their in their uh, limited setting in the church. People mm-hmm. from around the world are tuning into um, their uh, their live streams and connecting with them, people all across the United States, people beyond their immediate community. And um, for some of them, that is just, uh, it's just lit the fire inside of them They're, because they see that, that there's a larger ministry out there. That's a positive. Yeah. And uh, now some of them that hasn't happened. Some of them, their viewerships have gone down for whatever reason, mm-hmm. but, but uh it, it, it is a positive side of it. Uh, yeah. I, I think another positive I see is um, uh, people in our churches had, had become um, apathetic to change. They just couldn't see the reason to make certain changes. Well, this has forced changes and mm-hmm. things that they would have opposed and fought in the past yeah. suddenly are are not that big of a deal so i see that as a healthy move uh, from the spirit of god to get churches uh, to wake churches up i think churches a lot of churches were taking a nap and and mm-hmm. god, god kind of uh, sent an earthquake to wake them up a little bit so as you've seen churches lots of different churches try to respond to this pandemic, um, what do you think is the biggest mistake that they they might make, um, or that churches at large make when responding to the COVID pandemic? Number one, bringing politics into the church. 
and and the pandemic uh, requires us to make a, a stand one way or the other on certain things. And uh, I, I just think that is one of the most unhealthy um, moves that churches are making right now. And people are feeling it's just like our nation that is so divided. Um, and I don't see any voices out there with the strength to reunite us. I don't see any logical uh, positions being put forth that would bring the two warring groups back together philosophically in any way. It's just polarized. So naturally, that's going to affect our churches. But when a church is polarized and divided like that, well, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So uh, I I think that's one of the unhealthy things that have entered in. Yeah. Now, how do you think churches could kind of try to avoid that mistake? So, you know, if a church takes a stand on one side or the other, let's say a church um, in response to a government restriction or law tells the congregation, hey, um, you know, we love you guys, we care about you guys, and we ask that everyone wear masks for the whole duration of the service, like we're requiring that. Um, You know, I, I think no matter which way you sway on on the restrictions and and what you do up front um it might communicate to somebody that you know this we're we're taking a political stand how how do you what would you recommend churches do to avoid politicizing or avoid uh, having people think that you're politicizing as they try to navigate all the different tricky covid things yeah well there's no I don't think there's any sure answer, but but it's the spirit it's the spirit in which things are done, and um, hmm. so to require people to wear masks uh, anytime you say to Americans this is mandatory, you're going to get pushback. We <laughs> we, we were founded uh, because we didn't like the word mandatory, and um, yeah. and so. Um, I would say that if someone shows up and doesn't want to wear a mask, it not be made a big deal of it. Uh, Now, they might sit in a separate part of the sanctuary. Uh, All of the people that don't want to wear masks, you could have a certain section. We don't have that at our church, but but to not let them in the door, I think, is a mistake. Uh, That's making the masks too big of a deal. And, and then also to communicate um, regularly from the pastor that we're going to do this um, not as a pol- this is not a political act on our part. This is respect for, for our neighbors, love for our neighbors. Mm-hmm. It's also uh, an acknowledgement of the fact that we live under authority. And, but we're watching the authority very closely. We're only going to go so far. Um, and yeah. we don't feel like wearing masks. Those of us who wear masks don't feel like wearing masks is too much to ask of us. Uh, yeah. They haven't crossed any moral boundaries or theological boundaries. If that ever happens, then we'll be the first to rise up and say no further. You're not going to push us anymore. But we're also at the same time not going to condemn those who uh 
you know, aren't going to, who don't wear masks. We will ask you, however, not to hug, not to kiss, don't shake hands. If you, especially if you're not wearing a mask, uh, try to sit away from people. And I think it can be done in a, in a way that's respectful of both sides. Gotcha. Well, tying this back into some of the earlier conversations we had about, you know, the the art and the sitting back and marveling at scripture mm-hmm. and thinking of the challenges the pandemic presents to us, which scriptures have guided uh, your perspective mm-hmm. on in, in counseling people on, on how ministry should look in this crisis? Well, the first passage that I think applies to us right now that is that we're to love our neighbor as ourselves and uh, washing our hands and keeping our distance and wearing masks. Who among us doesn't hate these masks? You know, I I saw a a Facebook post that said, uh, I want to be like Saul on the road to Damascus, right? (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, we all hate them. But You know, I will wear a mask. I'll begrudgingly wear a mask if it's going to keep some elderly person from uh, uh, getting the coronavirus. Uh, And I know there's scientific evidence on both sides of that issue. Some say the masks work and some say the masks don't work. And the government at first said the mask masks aren't important and then they changed it to the masks are critical and we don't none of us are in a place where we can say emphatically this is the right thing to do but it is always right to love our neighbors yeah. Yeah. and so um, I, I think that's one passage of scripture that applies right now another one is to to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and um, there are some parts of our lives that Caesar has a rule over. We, we allow him to rule him, the leaders, to put speed limits down on our roads. And, and theoretically, we live by those. We allow them to uh, organize police departments so that they can keep, civil, keep us all civil. And so we give them authority over other areas of our lives. And I don't think that... Uh, the masks uh, uh, are outside the the realm of what the government could have authority to ask us to do. Gotcha. Well, I know at least for me, and and maybe for other churches and Christians and pastors out there, it's uh, it's <laughs> taxing and stressful to be in the middle of this virus, and and hard to look past today, hard to look past tomorrow, and yet. As you kind of mentioned earlier, you know, the things we're experiencing now are going to affect us for years and years to come, even after the vaccines are out, even after the restrictions have gone away. So I know you have um, been thinking ahead and thinking forward to what churches, what Christians, what pastors will have to face and have to do after COVID-19. And uh, I would love to learn from that. How do you think the world... Um, as a whole, is changing as a result of the pandemic? Well, I can't really speak internationally. Only what, I only know what I read sure. on television. But for the United States, um, I, I would say 
um, that the old world that we knew a year ago is gone um, hmm. and the new world is coming. And um, so many people are going to want to, they're, they're thinking, they're hoping that we'll be able to return to the way that it was. But so much has changed through this pandemic, through the racial unrest, hmm through the election, that um, that world, unfortunately, uh, will not return. And so we're going to have to, <clears throat> as leaders, help our people uh, go through the grief process of, mm. of uh, uh, realizing that we did lose some things when COVID came. And... Mm. Um, and there will be a lot of people grieving over that because they really were happy with the way the world was for the most part. Uh, another issue that I think we'll have to help them deal with is post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and one of the, one of the uh, plans we have as the network early next year, we'll do a uh, Zoom conference with a friend of mine who's a psychiatrist uh, he was a psychiatrist in the Navy and uh, does uh, work with PTSD for for veterans. Uh, that's what he does for a living now. Mm-hmm. And so I'll bring him on and and just help help him give him the opportunity to help our pastors see that because our people and we have been under the strain of this past year uh, without relief. That that's very similar to uh, to soldiers being under fire uh, for an extended period of time, and that when the stress of the battle leaves externally, the stress of it doesn't leave internally, and so people will be uh, showing the effects of PTSD. And we have to, we'll have to help them through that as, as leaders understand why, why they want to stay in their houses instead of get out and go public and be social and why they have more fear now than they did before. And um, so that, so that's one area that we're going to have to help them with. Don't you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But I can tell you that we, no matter what happens in our world as a church, we are still under the commission of Christ to get the gospel to people. And yeah. so we'll have to find some creative ways to do that. Now, what I have seen is that during this transition period between the old world and the new world, it seems mm-hmm. to me that people are more receptive to the gospel than they were before and Mm -hmm. because the world around them has changed so rapidly people grasp for something that's that's stable and the gospel Mm -hmm. and the scriptures provide that and god provide that stability so i would say one of the things churches have to focus on is finding creative ways to get the gospel to people and we need to do it quickly because this transition period, this window of opportunity won't last forever. And yeah. so, yeah. so we've got to, we've got to 
I'm, you know, get step up to the plate and get busy doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one of my favorite articles that I read a while back was uh, from a sociologist kind of discussing the rise of Christianity in the ancient world and how any of that happened. Like why would Christianity explode across um, so many, you know, boundary lines. And, and one of the things this guy pointed to was um, crisis and pandemics. Actually, back in the day in ancient Rome, how the Christians would respond to these plagues differently than, you know, sort of the um, other pantheon worshiping Roman citizens around them. And, and their their willingness to sacrifice, their willingness to point to something beyond just the short span of life we have, their, the care they showed for one another was such a stark contrast from the people running out and trampling people in the streets that, uh, you know, there were just waves of witnessing and, and people coming to Christ. And so I think, I think of that and I think of the pandemic going down now and uh, it's tempting to get to that uh, trampled people in the street kind of mentality. But man, if we can, if we can have that same kind of witness, I can't imagine, you know, the opportunities that will come from that. Um, so in light of that stuff and in light of what you've been talking about, how would you advise church leaders to think differently after the virus? Are there any creative um, paths forward in ministry that, that you've seen or heard about or thought of that, that might be one step that we could take? Well, there's, you know, there's a lot of churches trying some different things. Um, most of them are social uh, in nature more than gospel presenting. I, I really challenge pastors. Social work is good only in, if it opens the door to the gospel. And so find ways in the midst of your outreaches, whatever you're doing in the community to help people to also deliver the gospel to them. That doesn't mean put them in a crowd and preach to them. It means mm -hmm. while you're handing them some food, uh, express to them uh, God's love for them or give them uh, something to take home with them to, to explain the gospel to them. And so yeah. uh, just find ways to care about people and I have I have to think that some in that when our neighbors see us wearing these masks, and we're clear in our understanding of I'm not wearing this mask because the government told me I had to. I'm wearing this mask because I care about you. And and if I had the coronavirus and coughed near you and you got it uh, because I wasn't wearing a mask. I would just feel awful. And so I don't want that to happen. Uh, so, so I think that the mask wearing will be equivalent to those Christians who stayed in town and cared for the people dying of the plague. Mm -hmm. And gotcha. so, yeah, so, uh, you know, but, but going ahead and this is what I counsel preachers who have to lead their churches forward. Uh, the answers are not so much in the books and blogs that are being written out there that you'll see, find, might find an idea or two, but the answer is in the Father's heart. Um, mm. when, when we face issues that we, we aren't sure about, the Bible says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and it'll be given to him. 
So the key to moving forward in an unknown future is spending uh, enough time with the Father so he can share his wisdom uh, with you uh, of what the next step would be or why you need to do a certain thing a different way. And I know in, in my ministry, the successes that we've seen over the years to his glory, the best ideas have come from uh, the time that I've been in the Father's presence and have just been quiet. What What is it that we can do to um, reach into our community with the gospel and then listen, listen to what he has to say? It'll be unique to every congregation. Hmm. Yeah. Man, I imagine after the pandemic, people's sensitivity to, you know, genuineness, sincerity will, will be kind of higher rather than lower in terms of if we if we resort to gimmicks to reach people after the pandemic, as opposed to, you know, really tuning into the Father's care for them. And I'm not sure that, that that will be as helpful as the things you're mentioning in terms of just trying to grow our hearts in Christ to care for people more, to want to reach out to them more, and then to let him lead us in just the, the, the practical ways that we do that. That makes a lot of sense. Well, and I've done the gimmicky stuff. You know, I've pastored since I was 25. I've done the gimmicky stuff. And I'll tell you that when you succeed using a gimmick, uh, the success feels empty. But when you succeed hmm. following the Father's will, the success is fulfilling. And so pastors right now need to be learning how to spend an hour, 90 minutes in, in the Father's presence every single morning and just being quiet and talking to him, having the conversation. Sometimes the answers come from a scripture. Sometimes it comes from the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. But to move forward, there's nobody that knows for sure what we're supposed to do next. Everybody, yeah. everybody's guessing. All the big guys, Rainer and all those guys, they're, they're just guessing. Hmm. Well, better than guessing is listening. And you, hmm. you, you'll never go wrong listening to the Father. Hmm. Yeah. So kind of as a way of capping this off, you know, if, if, if people are listening here and they're thinking, Hey, well, I'm, I'm not a pastor. I'm not even, you know, a big leader in my church or whatever. Uh, I'm just trying to make it through this. I'm just trying to go to my church or, or follow online or keep up with all this. What would you want to say to them? What would you want to say to the average churchgoer that's been hunkering down for a year once the restrictions are finally lifted after this is over and they're, they're dealing with that shock and that form of PTSD? Well, I would say to them, first of all, what you're feeling is normal for the situation that we've all been in. But you have to, you're going to have to have some courage to get back out and do what Jesus said to do. You know, when he called us a church, he used ecclesia, which means uh, a called out assembly. And so you have to get back to being around Christians if you're going to um, succeed as, as a follower of Christ. You cannot follow Christ in isolation. You can only follow Jesus in, in uh, communion with other believers. 
So you're going to have to overcome that and, and it'll take some courage, but just go do it. And uh, when you get back to your church, if you've been missing church all this time, be patient with each other because uh, we got to put everything back together. It's kind of like Humpty Dumpty, you know, we, we got to, we're the yeah. king's horses and men, we got to figure out how to put it back together again. And yeah. it's, it's not going to be an easy task and we're not going to get it all right. And please, for the Lord's sake, uh, be patient and loving towards your pastor. He's having mm-hmm. to lead a group of people who are uh, struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder, who are, some of them are, are, are mad, uh, angry. Some of them are depressed and lonely. And he has to figure out a way to bring them together and lead them forward. So don't go in with a bunch of demands and expectations. Instead, go in and let the pastor know that you're okay if you are doing okay and let him know that you're praying for him. And then don't just, don't just say it. You pray for your pastor. And uh, read the Bible, read the New Testament, read, read what the Bible says about uh, Christians under stress and how uh, they still need to gather together. Uh, all of those first century Christians had more stress on them than we have because they were being hunted down. They were being arrested. Their homes were being sold. Their families were being dispersed. Their wives and children sent into slavery they were being put into Roman coliseums and used for entertainment. Nero hung them on poles and lit them on fire to be street lights for the city. So in the midst of yeah. all of that, those New Testament epistles of Paul were written. And, and, and throughout them, the words fellowship and communion, one another, are woven there because we need each other. So that'd be my encouragement to you is do what the Bible says, get out and get back together and love each other. And, uh, and, you know, it'll be a great challenge. It'll be a fun challenge. Honestly, it'll be an adventure. It's an adventure. We're going to go on together. Uh, we'll get through it and God's grace will, will get us to the other side of it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how even in those, those passages, we may be more familiar with those letters in the new Testament, those words that we've heard over and over to think about the the difficult and challenging context behind them, the things that they were facing that were so incredibly taxing, uh, maybe maybe a challenge on that science side and on that art side of that painting, and yet to come out all that much more enriched to face the challenges we're facing is a great reminder as we're reading the scriptures. Well, Dr. Hardwell, thank you so much for the advice you've given, for the insights you've shared. I know already that will um, help churches on both ends of the spectrum to um, move forward and uh, pay attention to our Heavenly Father's heart for people and to uh, seek to honor Him as we leave one day, hopefully, this, uh, this pandemic we're facing. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Andrew.